0: Just welcome Geordie, by the way. Hey everyone. Uh Geordie uh, Mitchell, stand up comedian, promoter. Uh re- stand up com- you do run two good gigs. Thank you.
1: Um yeah, uh yeah, I I run Death or Glory in Chapel Street and started uh, Paradiso Comedy. Uh and which will be a regular out for both. Yeah, yeah, it's recording. It's recording. And
0: also <laughs> you um you're in a thrash metal band.
1: Um We'll talk about that later. Yeah, it had thrash elements to it, if uh, if there's any metal purists. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yes, yeah, yeah, I, I
0: may be doing you a disservice here, because fine. it is, I, I looked online, you've got to be pretty clinical. Are you heavy?
1: It's just heavy. It's just, just heavy.
0: Even though they've got, the singer's kind of throaty.
1: Yeah, we'll get into that, because sub-genres sub, sub just wreck everything, I think.
0: You know um, the little jazz tune at the start? That's Geordie. He did that. The heavy metal dude did that. It's like asking Satan to sing me a lullaby. <laughs> he actually sat down and did me a little tune. I said, "I'm thinking something, Frazier, something." And he's like, "Do you want a cock in your ass as well, man?" <laughs> Fucking <can> now, <laughs> no, nah, he didn't. But no. um, yeah, I, I couldn't believe I was asking a heavy metal guy to sit down and create for me a wonderful little jazz tune like that bass guitar, which uh is uh yeah one of my it- favorite little tunes to get into the show. It-,
1: it was it was actually really fun to do because um. You know, uh, com- comedy is so much different to music, but it's so similar in so many... It's just ridiculous. So, like, when, when I was in a band, I was with these dudes. Um, the band's called Naboris, uh still active. Um, we started that when we were 15, and I left two years ago.
0: Did you leave the band? Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, it was... Um...
0: Did you go to Japan in 2019? No. You didn't go, so you had left by that stage?
1: Yeah, I couldn't afford it. So basically what happened was there was a it, it, it was a multitude of things so any same as any long-term relationship you grow like my first girlfriend was 15 to um, 21 I think and we were two completely different people by then um, and, and, and that just happened but um, it, it, it was a bit of creative differences and directional difference. so I got sick of doing these little shows where venues wouldn't promote other bands on wouldn't promote i knew knew we had good stuff otherwise i wouldn't have been in it but when they pitched the idea for japan i looked up the venues and it was like um it was like funny near the brunny but that works for comedy but i couldn't imagine a five-piece metal band being up there
0: squeezed in a small space yeah
1: physically would not fit
0: what was the capacity of the venues for the shows you were going to play
1: by the looks of it, like, that, that's the thing with Japan, apparently, it, it's all, like, kind of like the Brunny, it's all very, it's like performing in a hallway, so...
0: You're referring to the Bergie Seltzer? Bergie Seltzer, in yeah, Sydney Road, sorry, one, yes. Two. Yeah, it's Bergie a narrow Seltzer. space.
1: It's a narrow space, works great for comedy, but I couldn't imagine anything more than, like, an acoustic duo or something being on there, like, I, I've got no idea what music they do, so sorry, Glenn, but, um, I, I looked up the venues, and... Just to get on these bills, it was about five grand each, and that was before flights, travel expenses, you name it.
0: So you were going to go on a tour and not make money, lose money? Fuck no. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that indicative of bands? Because like, um, I always thought, and probably a lot of people watching, when a band tours, they make money? It depends. Really? It
1: really depends. So. um Funny you mentioned thrash metal. So I I started a band in high school um, with a mate just so we could do Battle of the Bands. And uh, I was with them for about six months after school, if that. I don't think I actually played a show with them outside of school, but that turned into this band called Harlot. Now, they've gone on to do several world tours. Um, I think they're up to album number four now. They're on Metal Blade Records, which is, I think ranked at number three record labels in the world, regardless of genre. Um, they're in a position where, like, say they're going from Czechoslovakia to Prague or whatever, and they say, look, we've only got ten shirts, four CDs left. They've got them shipped there already, and mm-hmm. it's all profit. Okay. That's kind of like... Um,
0: there's supply. There's a support base. Yeah, it'd, it'd be like... Um, you guys would be on your own, essentially. Yeah. Basically, yeah. And not making much money. Nothing, if anything.
1: I I've made more money in comedy in two years than I have in fifteen years of music. Oh wow! Which is saying a lot because I think I've only raked in like a grand over two years in comedy. But, um,
0: <laughs> can you explain the difference in layman's terms, if you can, between thrash metal and heavy metal?
1: Okay. Um, I understand hard rock. Yeah, it all it all derives from the same place, kind of thing. Um,
0: I thought thrash was the throaty lead singer
1: that's kind of more your like the like that's yeah. that's your that's your death metal sort of doom metal sort so of is thing that, is that a whole completely different genre? oh yeah 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 so it's so like um, des-
0: death metal thrash metal and heavy
1: there's unnameable amounts of all right sub sub genres so like you when you pick up guitar like i grew up um listening to kiss led zeppelin acdc so that's the stuff i played when i picked up a guitar or tried to And then got introduced to a mate, first time I got stoned, he put on um, Ride the Lightning by Metallica. Yeah. And I remember hearing this one song by Kiss on one of their live albums called Parasite and I couldn't find it anywhere because they only did it live. And it was the heaviest thing I'd ever heard. I was like, Really? what is that sound?
0: Was it just Gene Simmons on bass?
1: Did you just do bass then? Oh, no, no, no. It was guitar. It's just the opening riff. It's it's unlike any song. I I actually don't know if that song's a cover or whatever because it's not on there's several songs on their first live album that aren't on any of their other records. Massive Kiss fan, if you can't tell, but, um, just that sound. I was just like, what the hell is that? Like, I need more of that. What is this heavy shit? You know what I mean? Cause uh, up until that stage, the heaviest thing I'd heard was like, um, embarrassing as it is, like a whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin kind really? of thing. Yeah. Well, I had no idea it existed.
0: For me, it was, um, ACDC, probably Highway to Hell. Yeah. And, um, Definitely, when Metallica came in with "Kill 'Em All."
1: Yeah, I didn't know Metallica. Okay,
0: and then Anthrax had some heavy shit going on as well.
1: Metallica, thrash metal.
0: Is Metallica thrash metal? Yeah. No, not, now they're pop.
1: Yeah, now they're—I don't know what they are now, but uh, candy pop. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the first songs I learned guitar was master master of puppets like yeah
0: master of puppets you could trash a house to and finger a girl in the back of that you know
1: (laughs) and then make out in the clean bit and then get back into the fingering yeah Yeah.
0: that was that was uh down the coast growing up in the mornington peninsula it was like trashing houses yeah metallica master of puppets you couldn't do that to um enter sandman even james hetfield himself said he feels embarrassed about the lyrics to enter sandman
1: oh they're shit they're nursery rhymes they are they're they're, there's out of nursery rhymes, but that's what happens when you got a label. I, I we we had a label for several years, and the golden age of making money off music. I I think unless you're peddling something, what, metal isn't everyone's cup of tea, right? So if you're doing um, who's popular at the moment, um, like rock-wise, oh, I couldn't even tell you actually, but like, so you look at all these like pop stars, right? So you got like your Cardi B's and all that sort of shit. In their videos, you'll see they've got. The newest high-end Mercedes, they've got the designer vodka bottle, they've got the, the brand new Apple Watch, I'm just listing.
0: Yeah, sure, I know what you're saying. Like and expensive
1: think, shit, and that's how they get the money.
0: If I could take it back to the original conversation, do you think Metallica sold out when they Fuck yeah. put on a business suit and ditched yeah the growth of their music? Um, When did that happen? What album was it? Was it the just after the Black Album?
1: Yeah, so Injustice for All, um, brilliant. That that's the album I lost my virginity to, so I fucking love that. Yeah. I can't tell my best mate that because that's his favourite album. Yeah.
0: Oh, I thought you did his sister or something. No, no yeah. that, that was later. Um, did you root to the rhythm?
1: I think so. That's heavy. As best as I could. Wow, you know what? Well, I lost was first time.
0: I lost my virginity to Super Mario busting bricks <laughs> <laughs> in the background. That's why I think I'm one big fucking joke. <laughs>
1: Pro tip, if you're going to put music on uh while you're fucking, pick a live album because if you time it right, that's great. You get you get an applause break. Yeah. It's amazing. Um Where was
0: it? Mine was uh, in a garage in Rye on the Mornington Peninsula with Super Mario in the background. Thank you Shona for that lovely time. <laughs> great fun. And she was awesome too. She took control of me because I was uh, shit scared. Yeah. And yours was with Justice for All in the background?
1: Yeah, so I I I was a bit of an introvert cuz I hated my family growing up, so I put all my effort into guitar and all that sort of shit and music, and um, I had had, <laughs> da- I had dad's old hi-fi. You know those hi-fis that people are trying to flog for like a grand now, but they're worth fuck all, really?
0: Fuck yes, like hipsters are fucking paying top dollar for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, we, we had that.
1: Yeah. So, when my dad moved to Tassie, I got that, because he couldn't be fuck taking it, right? So, I had that, and that was my life. Like, I learned how to do the AUX thing, I learned how to, you know put the CDs in, get the levels right, all that sort of stuff. And I'd just play along the shit. Um, like fade out one side of the speaker so I could play the rhythm section. You know what I mean? Like oh, or listening nice. to Metallica and shit. And, um,
0: just playing guitar, not bass. Yeah, I started on guitar. Because right, I only know you as bass.
1: Yeah. So I, I've never recorded anything on guitar. Everything's been on bass. And it's all okay. been on one bass. Like, oh, wow. ex- except for your. You because all- that, that was the first time I got to use my acoustic. Yeah which was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was good fun. Um, yeah, no, I just had this set up and um, it was, uh, mum, mum worked late and um, mum said she was coming home extra late one day and had been seeing this girl for a month or so and yeah, it was good and had the house to ourselves.
0: And you chose Injustice for All. Beautiful. I don't know why. Because it it felt right. It, it, yeah. And you followed your gut like all good comics should on stage. Oh, this is way before I wasn't... In-
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone gets um, into trouble. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and um, going back to the original train of thought... Sorry, we man. Had, yep. uh, no, it's my it's me taking you off course. Uh, Metallica sold out, you think, after the Black Album? Is that what you were going to say? Or That's what I said. Did you agree? Or were you um, like, oh, no, I thought it was a bit after or I'd, earlier?
1: I do, but I've read a lot of interviews and seen a lot of interviews, and I sympathize with them. So... Of course. So, if you're embarrassed by Into man. And you wrote it, like that's a staple, they have to play that every night, right? So yes. when when Injustice for All came out, um they toured that for oh, someone's gonna correct me on this, but like your normal tour cycle would go for, you know, a year, right? This went for like three years. And I think they were just burnt out mm. and they were just fucking around or something and I, I think that from what I gather from the interviews and stuff, they got bored of their stuff so they kind of went a different direction maybe they needed money I don't know but then you get into the albums after the black album like Load and Reload if you're a hardcore Metallica fan they, they hate them mm. they absolutely but I love them they're great albums
0: what do you like about them? um why have the hardcores gotten off it and you what have you said is it an appreciation of the music itself because you play and- yeah
1: the music imso- the music itself yeah like, like St. Anger no one acknowledges that that thing exists. Mm. But if that was released, it okay. sounds like a demo. That's the first problem with it. Like Is that early noughties? Yeah, okay. yeah, that'd be. Mid, I remember that. Yeah, mid two thousand. Yeah, so that got released. Now, if that didn't have Metallica's name on it, and it was someone else's, and it was released as a demo, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, these guys have got potential." But then you put the back catalogue of Metallica on, it's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Mm. It's like, um. It'd be like if Chris Waynehouse got up tonight, or yourself, and you read from a joke book. Mm. This isn't Johnny Katz. This mm. isn't Chris Waynehouse. It'd just be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. That's, yeah. It's weird. But, um, you know, everyone needs money.
0: <laughs> Did you, uh, the heaviest band I was exposed to, just for, on, on heavy metal, was um, in Stuttgart, yeah. Germany, early 90s, Creator. Oh. A song called "Extreme Aggression," yeah, and I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" Google that; it's probably yeah. the heaviest thing I've heard.
1: It's, I can show you heavier, but Creator's is fucking amazing.
0: And one of my favorite heavy songs is uh, Megadeth' "Holy War." Yeah, it. I you know how steak goes with a certain wine? I reckon "Holy War" or "Extreme Aggression" from Creator goes well with uh, Road Rage. It will really get you through traffic.
1: Yeah, I was I was listening to my mates. Band Harlot, um, on the way here from Ballarat. Harlot, um, I may have been speeding a bit. Yeah, Harlot. Um,
0: Heavy as fuck.
1: Yeah, they're getting. Um, it's it's thrash metal, but that that's the thing. Like when, when when most people think thrash metal, they think you know like Slayer, early Metallica, Anthrax, um, Megadeth, kind of thing. But Harlot's kind of taken it in a way, and because it was all recorded in the eighties and stuff, the sound quality is nowhere near as good as what we've got today. Right? It's mm. it's kind of messy. Um, some bands have taken that as a it's it's like new age bands like current bands recording on vinyl like straight to vinyl or tape like um the white stripes or something mm. there's a certain sound quality that comes with that but harlot have just got their shit together in where it, it's it, it's pure thrash but the settings they use on their amps and how it's recorded and stuff it's it's legible if that makes sense like the the riffs aren't messy they're fast as fuck and they've got you know melody and groove to it and stuff but it's legible thrash yeah. It's incredible. It's amazing. But yeah, uh, I can't pronounce the name, <laughs> of the Helm because the word I've never heard before. But Deatrice di- of di- Dietus of a final. A- oh no, just look up Harlot. They're great.
0: <laughs> Nabarus was. Uh, I didn't know what that was. You got the band you used to belong to was that? Is that a? Is that a? Um, like a devil or some shit incarnate and.
1: Um, that's a funny story actually. So we started when we were about fifteen, and there was just this name called ruins of society that just seemed to click for us and we're doing that so it it, it was myself the guitarist and the singer since we were about 15 16 till two years ago with various drummers i think every recording we've had it's had a different drummer like we just couldn't hold one down um and we kept getting these gigs um and mind you we had still had parents coming to gigs like i did the sb for the first time in the basement and my dad was there because i wasn't old enough to Do a gig in a pub. Sure. Basically. So we kept getting put on these bills because we hadn't recorded anything at that stage, um, probably two years in. And we kept getting these gigs with all these punk bands and we'd get up and on and give a shit. Like we'd start our riff and everyone fuck off for a smoke or get um, booze or whatever. And we realized that Ruins of Society is kind of a bit of a punky sounding name. So we need to change this up. So we started writing new shit, not to write punk stuff, but we're, um, hanging out at my grandparents' place one day because we used to jam in the garage. And, um
0: Fuck, you would have loved that. Yeah. Poor old cunt.
1: Yeah, he didn't like it. Yeah, you met him the other night. <laughs> like, oh, he, him? He was, yeah, he was very supportive. Yeah, he was very supportive.
0: Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't turn his chair around. It was like UK voice or something like that. He had his back to me for the whole fucking gig. <laughs> that was so good. I've got a crack grandpa.
1: <laughs> to be fair, I think it was his hearing aid. Because on certain angles, he can't hear shit. But, yeah, um, I think
0: they, they become like sonar. Yeah. They have to send a satellite <laughs> in the direction they want to receive a signal. So they could not look... Yeah, their eyes are way off axis, but yep. their ears... Uh, <laughs> what it's
1: Sh- all about shout out to Noel um, he's probably Joe one Noel. of the funnest uh, good sport f- th- he did enjoy himself yeah he's one of the funniest non-comics I've ever met and like yeah love him um, got the best grandparents but I want to
0: talk about that gig before uh, but, but finish what you were saying
1: oh yeah sorry so we're, we're, we're writing, um this is before like you know you had internet on anything like dial up and all that sort of shit so you couldn't google what something meant and we're just like flicking through books and stuff Naperous yeah and we, we found this um, I don't know no one in my family is religious, but we found some Greek mythology thing, um, and Cerberus was uh, the dog that guards hell. So if you've that's seen right. if you've seen the first Harry Potter, that's Fluffy uh, that guards the Chamber of Secrets or something like that. And why like, Cerberus? That's cool. But we we drew it up like logos kind of thing, and then we looked at like you know down the line in certain cultures it was it was called Anaberus and was either a a, a, a raven that I think told the devil messages or some shit like that, or as a three headed dog. So all all our first shit was like three headed wolves and and Nabra's just stuck.
0: Can I ask you to be spokesman for the whole fucking industry? I'm going to push you here on a philosophical level, but why has death metal, heavy metal, thrash metal developed an affinity for the dark forces for hell itself? Why haven't jazz musicians gone? I'm summoning Satan for this riff. Whoa, let's go. Yeah. Who did that? I don't know. I just—it's something indicative I've noticed about name? the culture of heavy metal. Is it a form of obvious form of rebellion, so uh, against the grain music that's uh, hard on the ears, which is not sweet, which is, you know, uh, unlike sweet, it's devilish in its tones. I would darkness. I, I don't
1: know. I, I I would put punk as more of a against the grain, against the establishment kind of thing. Because they did whatever the fuck they want. You, like, you look at the Sex Pistols and all that. But
0: well, I'm flipping a, I'm just going out here on a limb. Was it Alice Cooper who just started, or Ozzy, who started, like, biting shit off?
1: Yeah, Ozzy and, um, like, Kiss is a great example. Like, they're yeah. pretty soft rock. Like, they were they'll, they'll hev- heavy-ish for the time. Absolutely. And you would call it hard rock today, to an extent. Like, not all their songs, obviously. But, yeah. like, Love Gun, one of the greatest tracks ever written. That's, that's a heavy fucking song. Yeah. Um, but then
0: Kiss unmasked is very, yeah, uh, soft. I think. yeah,
1: exactly. They 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 they, they it out a bit there. But um,
0: I, I love that album,
1: by the way. Yeah, oh, I love all this shit. But like, except for Gene's Solo album, but and Peter's <laughs> Paul Stanley had the best fucking solo album. Let's be honest. But um, they they had like movements against them because people just read too into shit. You know what I mean? Like Nights in Satan's Service. That's what they thought KISS stood for. Oh, really? Yeah. No, well, they doesn't. just wanted to get fucking laid. It's like, just a KISS. Yeah. yeah, they wanted to get laid. They they. Yeah, they,
0: he was a good Jewish boy. Yeah. They just wanted to root women. Yeah.
1: And then the other thing he was... He didn't do
0: any drugs at all. Paul Stanley. No, Gene. Allegedly. Allegedly. I believe him. He's got great yeah. skin.
1: Okay. Well, he doesn't now because he's had plastic surgery. Well,
0: oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it looks like he's been polished, but... uh <laughs> Paul Stanley, like, some of his best work was from, like, uh, uh, 78 all the way through to, like, 93 when he was coked off his eyeballs. Like, yeah, he, right. that's when his voice was at peak. Mm. And um, But, yeah, like, Ace Frehley, the original guitarist, he, um, he, he drew up their first logo and did the, like, the SS kind of like that. And you look at it like, oh yeah, that looks cool. But then you had all these, you know, mum group sort of things like Christian groups and shit. Well, that looks like the SS out of the oh, Nazis. Nazis. Yeah.
0: So was, was there any was there was there a kind of cancel culture as well back then that yeah. were putting pressure on For it. Sure, yeah. yeah, right.
1: Yeah, that, someone wrote a movie about it, Detroit Rock City. Oh, I didn't yeah. know about that. That's that's what great movie. That's that's what it's based on. Yeah, cool. Well, that's how I interpret it. But yeah. Um Um yeah, Alice Cooper brought. Um, I used to love Alice Cooper and like like Poison. What a track! And then I found out that he did. I heard Schools Out for Summer for the first time when I was about sixteen. And I was like, Who the fuck is this? And then I looked up. And it was Alice Cooper. I was like, Oh, mm. like, How the fuck that that that's his Enter Sandman. That's probably by far his worst fucking track. Yeah, like you're talking about no more rulers, no more teachers, and you're like thirty eight. What the yeah, fuck are you doing? Right. Like it's just I, I don't get it. It's just weird. But but makes money. But, like, he kind of brought the horror of a movie to the stage, as does, like, Rob Zombie, like, a, the, Rob Zombie the Metal Dude Marilyn Manson and all that sort of shit. Um, but then, on the absolute extreme side of things that made big news, um, I think the band's called Mayhem. I don't listen to them, but um, it's too heavy for me. Um, but they, they were all arrested for burning churches in Sweden, I think it was.
0: Right. And what year was this?
1: I want to say late 80s.
0: Okay. So you think basically it's a whole number of things that were happening. There was also a guy that, uh, was it Mayhem, that used their album cover of the guy who killed himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And yeah. no country would print it except the South American country. And they got the image of the guy who had just blown his brains yep. out and printed it on the album. Yep. Okay, so all these things together combined, yeah, st- yeah. And there you have it. It it all congealed together and brought into focus of a satanic reference. Yeah, you
1: take a bunch of helicopter parents who don't want to expose their kid to anything negative. Yeah. You're going to get cancel culture.
0: Yeah. Um, One thing thing I'm attracted to stand up to is I write, I direct. I'm my own master on stage. I don't listen to anyone. I've seen bands, movies, horror stories of breakups, fights, infighting, creative wrestling matches. Yep. It, did that happen with your band a lot? Were you exposed to that? And what sort of things were you exposed to? What were you fighting about? Was it creative direction? Or was it more so the fact that when you go on tour, you're in a motel room together and you just, you're just you at wit's end and you lock horns?
1: Um, Yeah, first tour we did... Um, I'm not going to name names because I'll probably watch this, but one of the band members brought their girlfriend along.
0: That's a very just common fucking story.
1: Changed the whole fucking dynamic. Like, not, not that we were, like, idiots while we were out I mean we did tour with another band up to Canberra or Sydney in, in cars and we brought paintball guns with us and we are shooting each other on the freeway like that was great fun but That's like cra- yeah it was awesome um, oh, I'm, I'm a good shot at 110k's apparently but uh, that was probably the dumbest thing we ever did like we weren't piss heads we weren't druggies nothing like that. there was an odd joint here and there that was it but it affected our work um, but you you bring a chicken in the mix or, or it's just a Completely different dynamic. Like he'd fuck off with her. Mm. It's like, well, where's we wanted to experience this? Like we wanted to go to the shitty diner or the shitty diner. We're in Australia, but you know, like the shitty little takeaway joint after the gig. We wanted to try and find the twenty four hour markets after the play. Yeah, debrief chat. Just chill. Be with your crew. Yeah, because the only time you see him is at band prac or Mm. once once or twice a week, and then on stage. Like there's no.
0: So it's like after the gig is the celebration where yeah. you all the whole team relaxes in the yeah in yeah the change rooms and talks yeah. about the game
1: yeah pretty much <laughs> so there, there was a bit of um dynamic change um we had multiple rhythm guitarists at one point and you know I'm a bit of a, perfe- a perfectionist I'm from the school of thought that you're lucky if you've got any punters at all, I don't care who you are, like, back then, this before Netflix was on your phone and stuff, but, mm. like, you're there to put on a show, like, I used to get really, really shitty when bands, like, didn't know what they were playing next, or, someone's up there just, like, staring at their feet kind of thing, like, not putting on a show. Like Would that, that
0: happen in your band? Would some of your no. band members? No. No. Okay. Like,
1: you, you'd see some bands with no stage presence, and it looked like a, maybe it's because I grew up on Kiss, I don't know, but, like, there was just no effort put in, and yeah. then, you know, a guitarist constantly fucks up or something. It's like, why the fuck have we got him? You know what I mean? It's just stuff like that. But creative difference, yes, that was a factor because the first album came out and we had a bunch of EPs and stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, dude, if you like heavy stuff, please look at this. But then the second album came out and like 90% of it was written by the singer. I just didn't feel it at all. Like, I, I didn't have that proud moment of, hey, check this out. Like, I listened to it back. I heard the demos before we recorded. I'm like, oh yeah, that's going to sound cool. I can imagine that. But then there was just a creative control over it from one person in particular. And when
0: you say creative control, I'm thinking like, um, making a, making a song is a bunch of components, right? So your component would be the bass guitar. Yep. So he would write down the lyrics, the lead singer, and then he would give you the the lyrics and then you would compose a bass track to that. How would it work? Um, no, you it- build a song. Like, it's how con- would you guys build a song around them?
1: Well, that's the thing. So, it happens many different ways. Like, um, I, I, uh, when I grew up, I had this idea when I was growing up. Sorry, shit English. Um, I had this idea that bands all just got into a room and they started riffing shit out. And that's how songs were born. But it's not. Everyone writes differently. Same as comedy. Like, mm. I could see something on the way home that inspires mm. me to write something. It could be great. It could be shit. Who knows? Until you try it. But... yeah. It could be something as simple as, like, we had two main writers in our band. Um, one would might come up with a whole song or just a riff, and then, oh, hey, that bit, that sounds like something that could go with this thing I came up with last week, and it would kind of just form like that. Um,
0: so, everyone had an input. So you felt, First album, yes. First, so, you felt by the second album, the lead singer was shutting you guys out of the creative process.
1: Pretty much. Like, I I got to write my own bass lines and shit, but, you know, the song structure is the song structure, and, you know, these are your root notes. That's what you can play off. So that was cool. Um, It just didn't... It it felt like I was playing on a solo project, if that makes sense. Like, I felt like a session player, not a bandmate, Mm. if that makes sense. So, like, technically speaking, you asking me to come up with something for the podcast, that's in a loose way what a session player would do. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I want it to sound like this, show me what you come up with, if I like it, I'll give you the go-ahead. Mm. Whereas, in a band situation, it's like, Johnny's got this riff, I reckon we'll go with this thing I wrote the other day, Okay. let's see what happens, and that's it. So, yeah, it just lost that, I I, I just fell out of love with it, really, and right before...
0: Well, it sounds like you weren't, your head wasn't under the bonnet, you weren't like nah. t- tinkering away, like fucking around... And I think you, the creative process you enjoyed was, if I got you, if I heard you right, was um, fucking about like yeah. playing, li- yep. like riffing, yep. l- like jazz, like yeah, singing, see what happens,
1: yeah, um, in a loose way, yeah, just you know, this sounds cool, do you reckon we can make that work with that kind of thing, not just a here's a song, learn it.
0: That's why so many bands just implode, man. There's so much creative pressure, yeah. Everyone contributing, they just It's just like this fucking pressure cooker that builds and builds, and someone one day in the future is not going to like what you're coming up with. Oh, shit, yeah. Then you're going to have alpha males or alpha females or whatever in the group that just clash. Yeah, an alpha,
1: yeah. Leader. Yeah, it does. It it really happens. Like maybe someone's not pulling their weight and you try and pull them up on it and it goes ugly. Like, just happens. Was it
0: ugly when you left, or was it like amicable? Um,
1: yeah, it was Amicable. So I, I told them straight up because I, I was doing, I was nearly finishing my mechanics apprenticeship when they wanted to go to Japan. Um, simply didn't have the money. And I looked at the venues we were doing. And I was like, no one's going to know who we are. No, we were, we were like a month away. I was like, no one's promoted. Really? We don't even know the bands we're shit. on with. All that sort of shit.
0: Fuck. So how much money did you need to bring to the table to go on tour to Japan?
1: Individually? Yeah. Yeah. Close to ten, wow! I I, I and you don't I, know
0: what was going to come of it. No, so it was like a throwing a dart at a board. If, if pretty you, much, if you get lucky, you stick, and then you do some interviews. Yeah. People put you on TV there, and yeah. away you go. Yeah, and so I, that I was no, there was
1: none of that. No, no, fuck no, none of that. So, so it was just
0: a hail mary. Hopefully, someone sees you. It was an open a door.
1: It was an opportunity. So we had a record label at that point, and it was just an opportunity that they offered us. But they did fuck all for us. So like back in the day, like your Led Zeppelin's, your Kisses and all that sort of stuff. It would would be a um, Mr. Katz, uh, you know, record exec. Here's a demo we did. What do you think? Mm. And if you saw something in us, you'd be like, yeah, here's X amount of dollars. Go to this recording studio. Make an album. Here's your producer. What have you got? And you would have the final say whether that's good enough or not. Okay. Whereas you can go the independent route which we did with our first album, we wrote all the shit and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yep, we're happy with this. Um, and we uh, just sent that CD to a bunch of labels and they came back with, yep, we want that. Um, but all, our, all our, our format is every album we, re- we release has to have 14 tracks on it. And our debut album only had nine. So we had to write a bunch of other tracks to put on that so it could be distributed and... Labelled and all that sort of shit. Um, but you don't need a band manager anymore or a label. You've yeah. got YouTube. You've got... Right. Um, you, yeah. you got Spotify. That's, well, yeah, I
0: had a quick look on Spotify. Your band... Well, when you... 180,000 or something? like. I haven't checked, to be honest. Yeah. I don't have Spotify. That's a lot. That's yeah. fucking heaps. Yeah, but it's just In like... In my opinion,
1: anyway. I, mean, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I uh, once...
0: So I understand your point. You can get the, you can reach exposure to an extent independently.
1: Yeah. It's like, um, so like back in the day, like, you know, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have mobile phones. Not everyone knew everyone at like you could message your favorite comic through Instagram overseas. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, if you're in town, come here. But back then you had someone who organized your tours, organized your studio time, organized your life, basically like a personal assistant Mm. and got you the deals and the money. Um, whereas I don't know what our label did for us. I really don't. Mm. Absolutely do not. So,
0: so they hired you as, uh, maybe could pop, but we'll give them the least amount of love. We'll set them on a tour, but they'll have to pay for their own way. That's
1: the thing. Here's the scary bit. So the initial, um, so we had an album and at this point we had an album, we were writing a second. Um and they responded to us. They loved our first album. And they're like, yeah, we want to see what you can do. What
0: record label is this? Is this a good label, by the way? Yeah. In terms of like... Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, it's it, it's I, I can't tell you if they're still around, but um, Eclipse Records. Now, they... I've heard of Eclipse. Exactly. Yeah. So, they... Have um, you ever heard of Mushroom Head?
0: I've heard of Mushroom Records.
1: Okay, no. No, that's Australian. Um, so, Mushroom Head, they, they were a a new metal band which kind of it's like heavy riffs with um, you know there might be a sampler or a DJ involved kind of thing kind of like your Linkin Park sort of thing but heavier um, they Mushroom uh, sorry Mushroom Head were one of the first acts that they had I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a Mushroom Head fan when we got offered of Eclipse Records I was like oh, holy fuck this is going to be great Yeah. a record label that's been around for 30 years
0: so you were in their stable yeah Okay.
1: completely different music but it was just like
0: but you didn't get the love
1: fuck no no. Nah.
0: Why didn't you get the love? They signed you
1: because it's not financially viable. I, I don't know so why. So
0: why do they back to the back to the mystery? Why sign you then? Content. They need content.
1: Assuming so. Okay. So our.
0: But how do they expect you to survive by raising ten grand to go to Japan I don't to know. play in small venues? I don't know. Hmm.
1: Absolutely don't know. But I I did the research on the venues and stuff, and I I maintain this today through comedy. Like I would rather. A packed room, whatever the size be it 20, 50, 100, 500, whatever, then make a hundred bucks from that gig or whatever headliners get or whatever. Like, but if you're going to drop a potential house deposit on a car, yeah, and we were all broke like three of us had jobs out of the five of us. Like, I I was driving a a three grand Yaris because I had to, you know what I mean.
0: Well, you're a stereotypical heavy fucking metal band yeah. and you're all young kids. <laughs> None of you are financial brokers or have stock portfolios or fucking no. daddy's money. No. You play heavy for a reason because you had a shit life or there was some shit going on in you <laughs> and you just want some aggression. You want oh. to smash some instruments.
1: A lot of uh, inspiration comes from depression. It's great. <laughs> it's
0: brilliant. I fucking love it. That's yeah. all, but going That's all back, it's good for, yeah. Going back to the original question, I, I love stand-up now because... Uh, I'm happy to be a comedian now because of what we have available at our exposure. Yep. Like I can do this and 20 years ago, I would have to panel beat my material from a rated R down to a rated PG just to have a shot at getting on TV and radio. And another thing, people like Jim Jeffries would never be able to be heard nope. ever. Um, so it's I absolutely love the fact that We can say exactly what we want. And it's indicative of the culture of the comedy store in Los Angeles where uh, in the 80s and the 70s, I can't remember who said this, but I saw it in a documentary that was saying that you go to the LA Comedy Store in the 70s and 80s and you only see one type of material getting delivered material that's meant to be for radio or tv because every comic wanted yep. to break it yeah and operating on the side of that you had uh statistical like you'd have people like the richard priors and and the george Carlins who were doing their own thing yep. now uh you go to the, the comedy store you go to any club you see such a, a wide range of material people going at it hammer and tong yeah because they know they can get their niche audiences
1: this is about exposure
0: Mm. Like and also you're true to your art form. Yeah. You because if social media is allowing you to be true to your art form. You can create whatever the fuck you want. I could sit here and have the Nazi comedy club <laughs> and I'll still get about 500 people sign up <laughs> and tune in and go, "Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Fucking loves this show. Brilliant. <laughs> Finally something to enjoy." <laughs> anyway, like my point is that whatever's you can do whatever you want
1: yeah no it's it's great and I, I, I found that I don't,
0: I don't believe in censorship by the way no neither. no neither no so neither I want to know everything what's out there yeah to know to avoid the Nazi party yeah comedy club
1: yeah <laughs> so don't do any don't do any gigs in Arkansas you might get the uh, yes. clue Klux in yeah um, hey brother but uh, I yeah totally agree so I, I had this moment where right before I left the band like I already wasn't feeling it the second album came out I wasn't proud of it The only thing I was proud of was that video I sent you for Hollow. Yes. Um,
0: How do you play songs that you're not proud of? With difficulty? Or do you switch off on stage?
1: No, because stage time was freedom.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: I can't make my rent this week, but I'm up there. Yep. Uh, This is me time. I hope you enjoy it kind of thing. You, You know what I mean? It's something very... It washes away everything. You just had a fight with your missus. You can't make your rent. Your car's fucked. Whatever. You get up there and do it. And it's just a break from reality for anywhere from half hour to an hour. Like, whatever it is. Uh, It's just something very freeing of it. But I I had just started stand-up when, as as that second album uh, was being finished. And heard it all that sort of stuff. Uh, I was like, yeah, this is going to be cool. And then it came out, I was just like, fuck that. <laughs> like, I prefer comedy. Um, and doing like, when I finally solidified a, a good five, I think like I, I started at guerrilla comedy with Paul Sharpen, um, at resistance bar. Um, and when I finally had a good five or seven together and he gave me my first proper spot, like on a, on a poster kind of thing, I was like, fuck, that's my name on a poster. Mm. I was like, yeah, fuck music. <laughs> like, not not fuck it, but I was just like, I want to do this. Because it was like the closest thing to feeling like I ran my own business. Yeah. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Um, I can I can do it wherever I can get a gig. I can, you know, mingle with these. But, like, there's no regiment of, you know, we're rehearsing this week. So, we know we're going to start with song two. Then we're going to go to song eight. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. Whereas, like, now, and I wish I had this skill when I started, but obviously you can't. But, like, you can read a room. You know you're on third or fourth or whatever, and you can hear what's going down and what's not. And it's like, okay, well, if they didn't like that, they're going to hate this thing on mine. Yeah. And you can switch your setup completely before you take the mic. This is something really, really liberating about that.
0: Yeah. If you get good at it, you can read a room and know those things. Yeah. It's like a surfer watching the breaks before he goes in to see how. Yeah. The waves are moving and where to enter the water from and how to get up. Hopefully, you can
1: spot a shark too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a heckler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I fucking it love just hecklers. Chops you out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I during that's why I struggle. I struggle during lockdown because I've often described stand up comedy as meditation yep. and I need it because uh, meditation makes you focus on the now. Well, you're breathing, everything else is yep. gone. You just listen to your breathing. Stand-up has that amazing ability as well. When you're on stage, it's all about the now, the moment, everything coming. All your senses are alert for whatever's coming in and whatever you're saying. You haven't got time to think about anything else. And if you do, you're fucked. You're going to trip up. And the audience know they have an innate ability as a sixth sense to detect that you're not there. You're not present in the room, even though they can physically fucking see you. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: That's actually a really good point um, because I took... my girlfriend, Jade, to um, Great Comic. I'm not just saying that because I'm with her, but we had date night at the lounge, and you were headlining. And, you know, we've done a couple of gigs together, and, you know, I'm, I I call shit as I see it. Like, I know, mm. I know you're a big name. You've been doing it for years. But if I didn't like your stuff or I didn't see you do well, yeah. I wouldn't offer you a gig. But mm. it was just incredible to see like you in a, like, cause I hadn't seen you in a big venue before. Mm. And I'd never seen you deal with someone speaking at a line. Mm. It was fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, it was so cool. Was there a heckler that night? Yeah. Um, so I think I went on the Can't remember. third night you had, yeah, you you're talking about a train line or something and uh, someone, it was a new bit. So I don't, well, it was a new bit to me. So I don't remember it, but um, someone yelled out like two other, train stations
0: oh okay yeah, yeah yeah and i shut him down yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's great
1: but i've never seen you deal with that
0: well if it i was can, cool. if i could be perfectly frank uh i don't feel very confident relating back and forth with hecklers yeah so well, i don't i don't have you ever i don't do crowd work how often have you no seen i know do, i know i know you don't and I that's just, why it was i'm there for like i just have my material and i want to get it out so if someone like i think i heard him chomping up and yeah i was like i've got to put him down straight away and the only way i could do it is with just some alpha aggression it was great and it worked (laughs) and i was able to move on but secretly in my in the back of my head i was going thank fuck, he shut up (laughs) oh thank goodness that's happened because i can focus on my material again and i moved forward because i was like i'm just I just want to be creative on stage and then get off. I don't want to go, what do you do? What's your name? What do you get up yeah, to no, on the I get weekend? That. Like, I fucking- that's not material. Yeah, I just, you know, I've often said, like, I'm addicted to the laughter, but I hate the crowds. It's like heroin. Um, love heroin, hate the needle. So yep. that's why I'm there. Um, but, yeah, um, back to your gig. You've, you're running a gig, an outdoor gig. What are you going to fucking do, man? Because we're heading into winter. Yeah. Um, There's a skeleton... Fra- By the way, this gig is... Uh, well, plug the gig because it's got fucking wonderful potential.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's called... Uh, the restaurant's called Cafe Paradiso in Camberwell. Um Trialing it as a monthly.
0: It puts on Proax. Axe.
1: That was one of the best lineups I've ever
0: curated, I think. It's a monthly gig and it's outdoors. And I know we're heading into winter. But having said that, the layout is gorgeous. It is like uh, summer in an Italian court. No, not a beer garden. It's like an Italian terrace garden. Oh, that's what they call it. It's gorgeous. (laughs)
1: I'll sell it as an Italian terrace.
0: It's very European. It's very pretty and picturesque. And I I really loved it. And I just think uh, in winter, uh, I want the gig to survive because it's got potential. There there was a good number there for the first gig. And I just think there's a skeleton frame. Could you convince him to get a tarp? And, and th- then you, you just get a cheap tarp, some fucking fairy lights on the inside yeah. from Bunnings for like 20 bucks and a heater. Yeah. And away we go.
1: Yeah, we had the heaters on. Um, it was lucky that the, 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 the skies opened up. Wait, it opened up? No, they cleared up right before because we were ready to move it indoors. Because
0: um, you can't go indoors during winter because he's running a business, right? He wants to sell. Yeah, off. but
1: Thursdays are dead. Oh, okay. So well, if you can commandeer it, then if fucking we, take If it. we come into when we come into winter and shit mm. looks a bit dire, I'm going to get them to promote it as a comedy night. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just to try something different. Um,
0: it was great. It worked.
1: It was fun. It was really fun. They were, they were wrapped. They they took more on the bar on Thursday than they have in the last year. So definitely doing it again. Um, uh, yeah, it was great. So we're trying that as monthly because I wanted to plant the seed around comedy fest time because After a couple of gigs I've been to in the last little bit, I'm a room runner as well. I like to see how punters hear about things. Mm -hmm. So like with Death or Glory, the first night we had back, I didn't recognize anyone Mm. in the room. And we, we were sold out first night back. I was like, who the fuck are these people? And so, you know, people hanging around and stuff. We had a great lineup and, you know, I just got chatting, like, you know, how'd you find out about this, half of them were Insta, half of them were Facebook ads, a um, bunch of them were, oh, my mate came here last year and told me to come down when it opens up again, I was like, oh, great, so kind of got nosy, and a few gigs I went to, you know, performing and just watching, you get talking to someone while you're having a smoke outside. of silence. I was like, how'd you find out about this, and like, oh, we live in the area, we had no idea it was here, I was like, do you ever go to comedy anywhere else through, through the year, I'm like, no, nah, just comedy fest, I was like, you know, there's comedy like all through the year. Right? I'm like, oh, really? Really? And that came up a few times.
0: Wow. I was going to say something to the effect that it's changing. Like I, I, it, when I started stand-up comedy, and this is like 15, 20 years ago, stand-up comedy was an underground form of entertainment. The Comics Lounge was pretty much the only gig in Melbourne and also the last laugh in ligon street then yep. everything else everything else was pretty much open mic and footy clubs and cricket clubs and soccer clubs so you're always leaving melbourne on the weekend if you weren't booked at the lounge or the yep. last laugh to yep. make money but now it seems like with globalization and the internet and netflix and this this one once one culture stand-up is very normal on netflix people are exposed to it here in australia and i've noticed that people are starting to creep more and more into stand-up so yeah. i think it's going forward it's a good time i oh, think shit, a lot yeah. of people are which makes your job easier because being a room runner for those who don't know i i can only imagine it must be shit and difficult to run a successful room because you have to. Well, you tell us. You're probably dealing with the venue. The venue can blindside you and knock you out. And go. We've got a function this week. And you're like, "What do you mean you've got a function? I've booked a gig here. I've booked comedians. I've sold tickets." Yeah. Oh no, no, we're having a twenty first. They've paid us fifteen hundred for the room. You know, so it's fucking difficult. Yeah. And you've got a million comics ringing you, mostly the shit ones. Comics. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you've got um people harassing you afterwards going I'm offended and it's like well you don't ring Village Roadshow and complain that they're you know they're just fucking screening a movie if you're offended yeah. take it up with a comic
1: that movie was recycled and unoriginal I want my money back that wouldn't fly mm. like um yeah so I don't run the biggest room in Melbourne I don't pretend it is we, but we seat
0: the mechanics are the same
1: yeah but we seat we seat 40 so I 50 if we've got enough chairs but I'm trying to build the smallest big room in Melbourne. So my, my goal is to be the Cherry Bar of comedy. So Cherry Bar, if you knew, let's say someone everyone would know, ACDC's in town tonight. You know the band's going to go to Cherry Bar in ACDC Lane to have a piss-up afterwards. So if you want Angus Young's signature or just to see them kind of thing, have a drink with them. If you're a hardcore groupie or whatever, you would go there. Is that true? Yeah, fuck yeah.
0: ACDC, when they're in town, they always go to the Cherry Bar.
1: I don't know about ACDC, but I'm, I met the... Well, I had, had drinks with the singer from Rammstein, a um, massive industrial metal band from the 90s, and they're still active today. Is
0: that cherry bar in Melbourne? Yeah. Wow. I lost a pill on the floor, on the dance floor there one year. <laughs> I remember being on my knees for 15 minutes without mobile phones back then, looking <laughs> with my eyes wide open, trying to find it.
1: It probably pretty normal. It was I, like, I was I crushed. Seen do it.
0: Ironically, so was the pill.
1: <laughs> Not in me, no. Um... Yeah, I, I, I want that place where, you know, uh, let's pretend you're from Queensland or New Zealand or whatever. Oh, I see what you mean. And you're coming here to do the lounge or fucking Eddie had or whatever you're doing.
0: Mm.
1: Me personally, I would think it would be nuts if, say, a band went interstate or mm. international and before their first performance they didn't have a rehearsal. You know what I mean? So, oh. like, go into a little, whether it's dingy, whether it's lush, rehearsal studio just to tighten up and whatever so using that theory i want to create a space where you know, again pretend you're interstate or whatever because you know you've got open door policy at my joint but if you were coming down for your your week's worth of shows mm. and you get down a day early it's like don't know if my shit's gonna fly with the locals blah blah, blah kind of thing where can i do a warm-up show
0: Does that mean you need to know a little bit about search engine optimization and utilizing the internet search engine for interstate comics? Like, should you be plugging... um, Have you heard of SEO? Sorry, are you looking at me confused? I don't fuck all about
1: computers. I only know how to lead a search history. That's it.
0: (laughs) There's something called uh, SEO, search engine optimization you sit there on a computer and you put in all these fucking tag words and keywords Ah. and you target Sydney and you target uh, Queensland for this example. And it's death or glory, which is your um, room's name in um, every Tuesday night,
1: every Tuesday night in chapel.
0: And um, you target those cities specifically Queensland and New South Wales. And uh, what happens is as comics are performing, in their own cities in Queensland and see death or glory comes up in their feeds ah. on purpose and ah. um, it's costs a lot of money, but yeah, you know, it's, so, it's something like uh, five to 600 bucks a month to, to do an effective SEO campaign. And what that does is it brings um, your club to the attention of everyone interstate. And then what will happen is when they come down, they know about you and they'll hit you up. Oh, it's like back in
1: the day when yellow pages were relevant. And you know, if you started a mechanics joint, yeah, you would call it AA Automotive, Shit, yeah. because AA was the first thing that popped up. Yeah, that, okay, th-
0: that is that is the fucking caveman distilled, broken down version of search engine optimization. Yep. That is it in a nutshell. That yep. is the SMS of the pigeon world. You've just you've distilled it eloquently and perfectly. That's exactly what it is. So you're trying to target these fuckers to know about your gig. So you can even say things like, uh, "Try your new material before you go to the big yeah. clubs." Doing the lounge on the weekend. Come to me on Tuesday. Get it right before you die and never get invited back. Yeah,
1: I've, I've pitched this idea to Dougie because me and Dougie do some well pre-COVID. Um, we're, I was helping him do Cheeky Squire and Frankson. Yeah, closest gig to home. It was amazing. So I was doing sound for him and all that sort of shit. And I said to him, like, well, you know, I'd love to have a place where acts could just pop up. So I keep 10 minutes up my sleeve every night just in case. Because, yeah. um, you know, I, I want to pitch that, you know, you never know who's going to rock up kind of thing. Yeah, he thinks it's a good idea. So just got to build it. But we, we got delayed so many fucking times with COVID and that little snap lockdown we had. So I think we're only up to gig. This week,
0: yeah, I completely forgot we were meant to have a comedy festival. Is that are you looking at redoing that? Do you know when? Um,
1: yeah, I've been thinking about this so, um, I wanted to do September, but that's fringe, yeah. But I'm thinking first or second week of summer before it gets too hot and people are coming out of their shells, and
0: yeah, yeah. Can, Can I just tell you in a nutshell, there is a plethora of wonderful stand up comedians out there in Melbourne that haven't necessarily been uh spotted by uh, a select few talent agencies one being token artists they have uh the industry sewn up so to speak in terms of television and radio exposure if you don't fall on their radar you kind of miss a lot of opportunities to perform on radio and tv so geordie has created a festival where he can highlight these acts that are Absolutely destroying gigs and clubs everywhere they play. Um, hitting sixes every fucking gig. And he's going to highlight these acts on stage. So people can actually go and appreciate it. Um, it's kind of like you were calling it the black... Yeah, the... The, the black market festival, but not in a way... Black of, market comedy, yeah. Not, not in a way of black market comedy, as in going up against the festival, but more no. so... Um, have a look at something that's not in the spotlight. Like, it's black, it's hidden, it's but it's still a fucking gem.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like... like a lot. Of, <laughs> this was my band thing coming out, like, band mentality coming out. So, like, when you write a song, the song might be finished musically and lyrically, but you don't have a name for it yet. Yeah. Like, you had an idea for a podcast, but you haven't thought of a name yet. You're not, you know, that, that sort of thing. Like oh, yeah. Just because... Oh, no, I'm not saying this, but I mean, like, you know, something might be finished on paper... But you just haven't thought of the right thing for it. So the working title that I came up with was Black Market Comedy. Actually I think Gary Jahal said that. Great comedian, check him out. Um
0: and Dougie Chappell before we mentioned his name. And du- yeah, fuck yeah, Dougie Chappell. Thanks, Johnny. I um, appreciate it, mate. <laughs> that One was of the spot nicest <laughs> That was spot on. <laughs> One of the nicest guys in comedy. Thanks, Kenny.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, was spot on. Um And we had this idea for an ad for it, just like a little clip where he was going to be walking down Chapel Street. I was going to be walking down as well. I was like, oh, hey, man. And then he'd be like, hey, bro, you want some comedy? And he'd like whip his jacket out and then just be flyers. Yeah, cool. Like just something stupid like that. So that, that was the working title. I think we just called it uh, Death or Glory's Comedy Showcase. Yeah. I, In the I, I lo- end. I love yeah. stuff
0: like that. You just uh, you took me completely off topic there. I Sorry. Just, no, no. You've taken me completely off topic just then. I thought of something. Um, that's a clever marketing idea by Gary. To yeah, just fuck a, yeah. Have the flyers like that. Because
1: Gary went to me one day after a gig. He goes, Are "You doing anything for festivals?" I was like, no, I'm not ready. He goes, "Do something here.
0: Mm. Like, huh?
1: And I, I applied for residency for the venue. I, I, I knew I wasn't ready to do a fucking hour or half hour at that stage. But I sent the thing in and asked for residency, like verified uh, venue, whatever. And we were two Ks too far out of the city to get it. Mm. And Gary's like, fuck it, do your own thing. Mm. But I need need to double track back to pigeons for a second. I don't know if you heard on the news the other week, someone bought a homing pigeon for, I think, a million dollars in Russia or something, obviously not Australian dollars, but it just got me thinking, like, imagine if you sent your mate a note with that pigeon, million-dollar pigeon, and he texted you back. (laughs) (laughs) Straight away. Bro, I got your pigeon. <laughs> like, how
0: fucking pissed would you be? You would be very pissed.
1: Be, I, that's the biggest waste of money I've ever thought of.
0: Fuck yeah. A million dollar homing pigeon. Something
1: like that, yeah. Or whatever. Rupils or some shit. Well, I've never been to Russia. I don't know what they use.
0: I, th- apparently, there's a lot of money in homing pigeons. I still don't know how the fuck they do it. Neither. I mean, I know it's got something to do with the Earth's magnetic field.
1: But How do they know where to go? Oh, I, I couldn't even find your fucking place coming here. and I knew the address.
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um,
1: they can't read.
0: I think pigeons, if they can do that, mm. they should be Uber drivers <laughs> delivering Uber <laughs> food. Like four or five of them would have to get together to lift the bag, especially my load because i go like two large pizzas. Yeah. So you'll need a few pigeons. Yeah, you've got to have them. leftovers, yeah. But pigeons, and yeah, they could fuck, oh, but they'd shit in our food, wouldn't they? By accident. Potentially,
1: yeah, or eat the cardboard.
0: But uh, yeah, th- that freaks me out. Homing pigeons, and but I think it's like the Earth's magnetosphere. Anyway, a million bucks,
1: something like that. Yeah, I remember thinking you could you could buy like three of those cars for that. So it was something crazy, crazy money. I just found it fucking hilarious.
0: I don't fucking understand that. I don't understand that, but I do understand like the DNA of a Tasmanian tiger getting sold for like a million bucks. That yeah. makes sense.
1: Yeah, some crazy scientists will... Do it then we'll have back a back live- engineer
0: it and we'll have it back.
1: Yeah, we'll have it back and then we'll have like a live action horror movie.
0: Yeah. Do you believe wait, well, have you do you, have you seen like how we're genetically modifying ourselves? Have you did you know about that?
1: No, I didn't, but I accidentally now that you've said it I know the word for it now. What's so up?
0: CRISPR? That's the program. Sorry, go. on. Oh, is it? I cut you off. Yeah. No, that's got, no no. Um,
1: I'm a not a history buff, but I I'm fascinated by World War Two.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: This is something about it. Like, it's just, You know, it's like... It
0: was the perfect war in terms of... I apologize. I don't take the word perfect out of context. It was the perfect war in terms of good versus evil. Yeah. It, it was, was like a movie. It was Star Wars.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it was a fucking movie. Dark
0: forces, good forces.
1: And all the fucked up and good things that came from it. Like, hero yeah. stories and all the rest of it. Um... There's just something fascinating about it and, and, in turn, and my fascination with it is, um, like, uh, I don't travel much, right? But let's say you, you told me you, you saw the pyramids and you're like, dude, you, you just won't believe how big they are. And like, yeah, I'll, I'll research, you know, the pyramids are X amount of standard stories tall. I can't see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd have to go to Egypt. To be like, oh, wow, that's a fucking pyramid. You know what I mean? It's like when they say a great white shark was spotted and it was the size of a school bus. Like, okay, well, I know what a school bus looks like. Mm. But not a fucking shark school bus. You know what I mean? Like, you'd need to see it. Sure. The, the more I see of World War Two, I just can't get my head around that it actually happened. It's just nuts. But there was a little thing I saw, like, uh, what is it? It's called World War Two in Colour. It's on Netflix. It's incredible. Um, they are talking about how... Uh, the US didn't want to get involved because they'd just come out of a depression and it was like the boom of the Western world, basically, the start of it. Like, sure. Like, you know, money at everything and balls and flash cars and all this sort of shit. It's,
0: it's, it's a true indication that governments only deal in matters of convenience, not conscience. They generally just wanted to put their heads down and make money because America was beginning to boom. Yep. They but, were making money and money buys votes. Yeah. They didn't want to drag their mother, their, their children to a war. Why would you? So that's why America wanted out.
1: Yeah, not another one 30 years later. Yeah, because everyone, like, knew someone who was in that war. Like, now, you wouldn't know anyone who... Like, they're all dead for the most part. But oh, there's
0: a couple alive at the RSL. The aircon's keeping them refreshed and alive, but they're, they're on their way out. They're <laughs> almost cooked. <laughs> they're
1: just going. Um, but talking about genetically modified people... Um, it was just strange because you see all these americans in the in the 50s sorry, not jesus not 50s in the in in, in the 40s mm. and they're all healthy looking no one's fat you got the odd dad bod but no one's obese and like they had shots of you know people shopping people dancing people buying cars whatever so it was a it was a broad spectrum of like a snapshot kind of thing yeah but then you skip forward 20 years Coca-Cola's introduced, Macca's mm-hmm. is introduced, and everyone's fucking huge.
0: Yeah, because we started putting, yeah, processing our food.
1: Yeah. And we- you got to wonder, is that where all these, you know, not learning difficulties, but like, you know, just like spectrums and all this sort of, like, is that, is that because of what we're eating? Like,
0: um, I don't know about spectrums, but I, I agree with you physically, um, yeah, every, like the obesity problem, definitely from processed foods because the, the body is freaking the fuck out. Because yeah. our body's been engineered over the last million or two million years to run a certain way, yep. to digest a certain way. And then you incorporate these long-chain chemical uh, uh, complex formulas and molecules introduced into your body, which McDonald's call um, fresher for longer. <laughs> And, yeah, your body is, like, thrown a curveball and it can't deal with it. So, yep. it just goes, I don't know what to do. I'll just put this over here. And that's called the fat bank. Yeah. And it's fucked. And it leads to all this shit. But, yeah. So, yeah, World War 2 You're fascinated by World yeah. War Two, Yeah, shit, yeah. Because of that. The same reason as me. Good versus evil.
1: Yeah, good versus evil and just the sheer thought and scale of it. You know what I mean? Like, um... Like, I'm, I'm a mechanic by trade. I know that, you know, my Yaris weighs one and a half tons. But a Sherman tank, I, I think it's was like 38.
0: 38 tons.
1: Something like that. Something fucking ridiculous. Is it's- a
0: Sherman tank the American one? Yeah, the American one. Do you know they're called Tommy Cookers? Yeah. Because they, they built them with a shit thin armor. Yeah. And the Germans used to shoot yep. right through into them and yep. they'd cook them.
1: Just shit like that, I just find it Tommy fascinating. Was an American. Yeah, it's um, awful. oh, it's nuts. It, well, what a way to go! But like tanks aren't you know that big. Like, you've been on a bus, The tank's like a bus cut in half put together, but it weighs 38 ton. It's That's just right. ridiculous.
0: Going back to what you said before about pro, uh, about genetically modified and are we like uh, are we on the spectrum nowadays? I think World War Two has got a lot to answer for that because World War Two produced a plethora of post traumatic stress disorder, and men coming back from the war and uh, not being able to deal with it. Yeah, can't talk about drinking it. Drinking heavily, and succumbing to domestic violence and the marriage would break down and uh, family violence would. uh, culminate from that and then all of a sudden you've got children brought up incorrectly Mm. and that is the domino effect
1: I think so Um, I'm just talking for personal experience and I I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way but like um, I've had family members uh, friends friends of friends um, who have had kids in the last five years and like every second one of them the doctor has said or the nurse or whatever has been like oh they're on the spectrum of autism why? Fucked if I know, but I don't... Autism wasn't a thing when I was in high sc- uh, primary school. It was, it was, it it was the must, kid with ADHD.
0: Yeah, it must have been, but it wasn't classified, right? It was yeah, the maybe. odd one out. Yeah. Tim is the odd one out. Yeah. When NASA in the 60s and 70s was full of kids that were... Uh, sorry. NASA in the 60s and 70s was full of um, autistic people because they were... Uh, able to sit down and calculate for hours really without being affected by boredom or uh, the lack of concentration required to sit there and calculate because they had computers back then the size of rooms Yeah, yeah and people had to cross check and verify that the computations were correct utilizing newtonian mechanics to get a space capsule all the way to the moon yeah to do a a loop-de-loop of the moon and then come back and bring the astronauts back was such a huge undertaking that um the computer they used was so fucking big but human beings had to ride along with it to check all its mathematics and they were um autistic they were on the spectrum
1: Maybe it's just they didn't use the word autism. No, it when wasn't when, when I was in, no, yeah. it, it
0: was Timmy, the odd one out. Yeah, and that's all it was. But there's always been, and I think Alan. T- I mean, I'm going to make a leap here, but I reckon Alan Turing, who's that? Sorry, he's the genius who created the computer in World War II and broke the okay. Enigma code. Oh, he I should, must I should, have I been know that shit. He yeah. should be on the spectrum. I think. I mean, this is where I'm making just a creative leap, but. It sounds like he was on the spectrum because he was a genius mathematically, um, rather introverted.
1: Yeah. What about Einstein? He was introverted and socially awkward, allegedly.
0: Well, I watched a documentary on Einstein yesterday and they, they got his brain when he died. And um, they, oh, cut shit. It, they cut it open. And he has... Um, this is the only way I can describe it to you, man. We've got three components of our brain. Mm. Inside our brain, there's three sec- sections in our brain. I call them core processes. Yep. He had a fourth. Wow. And that was a very big anomaly. Holy Huge shit. Huge anomaly. His brain weighed the same. It weighed 1,230 grams. So yeah. 1.2 kilos. That's a very normal-sized brain. So his yep. brain wasn't any bigger. So that dispelled that myth. That put that myth to rest. Yep. Um, he had... A quad core processor as opposed to three like we have and he had this part this section of his brain which did a loop like a u-turn they called it the omega because it's like a greek oh, omega yeah, yeah, yeah. sign yep and they said that section doesn't appear on any brain whatsoever <laughs> then they cut his brain in half which, um, yeah, I feel for the fucker, but hey, you know, he was dead, he was yeah. dead, and um, they found he had a thicker pool of brain white matter, yeah, as opposed to any other brain on the planet. And that thick pool of brain white matter is essentially a house's wiring, okay. So he had twice the amount of wiring, so that may have allowed more signals to be sent or faster signals to be sent who knows but those three factors his processing power his omega sign which i don't know what the fuck that is yeah. and the large conglomerate of white matter as opposed to us
1: it's like he was on like nbn and i'm still on dial up yes that's not
0: yeah so that's that's that allowed him to sit in a room and conduct huge abstract thought experiments and one of the thought experiments he had, which I marvel at to this day, is he was in, um, oh, fuck, I forget the place. I was, I was going to visit it in Switzerland, but it was snowed out. I couldn't get to, I think it was Born or Bjorn. No, that's a singer. Um, <laughs> I forget where it was, but he was he was a young kid and he was staring at like a Big Ben clock. Yeah. So just picture Big Ben. He was staring at this fucking clock. And he was constantly doing thought experiments, and that's why he was always aloof in class. Yep. He was never productive. They always kicked him out in class because he was entertaining himself. Yeah, yeah. So he was staring at this clock, and he was watching the the tick and the tock on the second hand. And he said to himself, "If I started moving away from the clock at the speed of light, I would not see the tick turn to tock." Because the light from tick to tock would not have time to catch up to me because it would be moving at the speed of light. And if I'm moving at the speed of light, the tick would never have time to catch up to show me, hey, I've just become tock.
1: Oh, wow. You get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, I do, yeah.
0: That's when he realized time stops when you travel at the speed of light and then he did the mathematics backwards yeah. to indeed highlight the fact that he was right. Us nuts. Fucking nuts. But he was so eloquent that he was able to describe it to me, a fucking wog growing up in Coburg that never finished algebra in high school. He was able to get it across to me, and I'm like, yeah, I actually get that. Yeah. If you're moving so fast, you won't see a clock move its second hand. So essentially, you see time as still. And sure enough, he did the maths, and yeah, time does stop.
1: Did that lead to them, uh, like scientists working out, um, you know, you look at that star in the sky right now, it could be dead already kind yes. of thing? Yeah. 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 Is, is that where light years came from? Yes. Wow.
0: And, and, and also, he basically realized that from that, he developed a theory of relativity that showed that everything is relative. It's hard to get a complete picture of everything because we're on a ball but the ball is not going around the sun. It's corkscrewing around the sun because yep. we're in space is expanding, so we're moving with it and we're not stationary going around the sun like a runner going around a track. We're being we pick up that racetrack and move it. Yeah. So the runner is corkscrewing around the track now. Yeah. Moving through space. So then he started realizing it's all your perspective, your angle. It's where you come from. And he also had the and he realized that from another thought experiment that said if you're in an elevator right now mm. and the elevator starts going down at a constant speed and you're blindfolded, you don't know you're in an elevator anymore. Because when you're in a car doing a hundred perfectly, you don't know you're in a car doing 100, or you can be blindfolded and sort of fooled into thinking, hey, I'm not I don't feel motion, the only time you feel motion is when the speed changes Yeah. so he developed a theory saying that when you're in a uniformly moving body same speed uh, you think you're stationary like Earth, we think we're stationary but we're moving So.
1: is this where you come up with the uh, Usain Bolt joke?
0: Usain Bolt, Jack, I came up because I'm a twisted fuck and I don't know why I was mixing cum and Usain Bolt together in the same sentence, but <laughs> it just that, happened, that's yeah. just a stupid brain fart on the couch in a doco. No, hey, uh-huh. you can't come on the cunt's back. Said, oh, well. <laughs> and w- then I it laughed worked, though. Yeah. and I go, I should note that down on yeah. a post-it note. <laughs> but that's the lovely thing about Hey, man, fuck, we're waffling. I've got to go. i got shit yeah, to do. Done. Um, thanks for coming in, man.
1: Anytime, dude. Thank you very much. Anytime,
0: come back. Yeah, love to. Cheers, Jordy. Heaps of shit to talk about. All right, thanks a lot, man.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye.